Well, Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Run Club. I cannot believe it is already December. It's December, Steve. That's wild. And we greet you and celebrate the birth of Christ, and that's exactly what's going to happen today. Steve and I are going to share a brief message with you related to the Christ story. We were just talking here about how hard preachers work to come up with ways to tell the Christmas story, and it's frankly pretty simple. It is, and powerful in its simplicity. Powerful, but we don't just take time quite often to think about that, and so hopefully today we'll do a bit of that together. But before we do that, I just want to thank you for supporting us, uh, for being a part of our team. You received this little speech from me and Steve uh, during the course of the year because we are grateful for you and your support all year long of the Ministry of Winning at Home. And many of you have done that from the very foundation, which is like 160 years ago. So I'm just really grateful to you for that support. And pray today as you listen, you'll be encouraged. I'm going to share a brief message, and Steve's going to give input and thoughts on it as well, because he's been to the Holy Land many, many times. Yeah. Like 10, 20 I lost track after 10. Okay, but, yeah. yeah. So he's going to be able to bring some significant input to this idea of the Christmas story and put some perspective on it. I'm sure some of you have traveled there, but for those of you who haven't, like me, uh, you'll be able to get some more insight into what it would have been like for those involved in the scene. So I'm going to jump into the story, and it's interesting. As I begin to read the story, Steve, every year when I get ready for Christmas, something hits me and Christmas starts in my heart. It's just weird how it happens. It's not because I was at church or heard this or that, or for me, it's not a Christmas song. Something happens in my life. Last year, it was looking at the nativity set with my grandson, you know, and he made fun of one of the particular (laughs) images there. This year, it was when I began to read the story, I hit the word, and there were shepherds, this is Luke 2, and there were shepherds living, the word living, out in the fields nearby. I don't know why the word living jumped out at me. I've always looked at the nativity scene. I've heard this Christmas story since I was a little boy, uh, but I don't think I've ever really stopped and thought about the fact that the shepherds lived out there. Yeah, absolutely. When we think live, we're like, I live where I have a roof. Yeah. Well, shepherds, their only priority is to care for, nurture, and defend sheep. So they live wherever sheep eat, and that's going to vary based on the season. So explain to me what the setting would have looked like for that shepherd. They literally lived out there. Absolutely. That, did they build little huts and stuff? I don't know that they did. I think okay. they just slept out underneath the stars. And if you were to go there today, yeah. obviously there are buildings and neighborhoods there that there weren't there before, but Bethlehem is located on the middle of a hillside. And so there are these rolling kind of rocky hills in yep. the area. And on a moonless night, you cannot see your hand in front of your face. Whoa. It is, okay. It's dark as all get out. And again, if you're on a hillside or if you're down in the valley and the moon is blocking the sun, you got to be on your toes because wolves don't sleep. Coyotes don't sleep. Yeah. So for these shepherds, their, their entire existence is going to be braving the elements of cold and dark and wind. For the, for the sole sake of making sure that their master's sheep stay alive. And what would have been thought of those shepherds by the people who lived in that day? It would have been the lowest of the low. It's really menial work. So if you can, if you can stand up and you can walk and you can see, you're qualified as a shepherd. So they would not have been allowed to go in for like any of the feasts? 
unleavened bread, all those things? I don't I don't know that they would, Dan. What's crazy is that if you go there today, my friends and I were, were eating a pizza in the shop in Bethlehem, and we looked out the window, and sure enough, there was a guy and his son chasing about 20 sheep okay. through the hillside. So okay. there are still people there, still there today. today. Yeah. Well, I know uh, based on just Jewish Jewish religious belief, they would have been ceremonially unclean, right? Mm, yeah. So probably would not have been allowed in the temple. Right. So right. that sort of thing would have been there for sure. So I just think about the outcast. I, I was laughing. I sat on a stool in my office. That's where I prepare for messages. And I spent 20 minutes trying to live that life, like close mm-hmm. my eyes, yeah. picture myself on. You know, I had more of a flat ground, so you're giving me a little bit of rocky turf, yeah, yeah. which had to watch those sheep close because shepherds have to watch dumb sheep, right? Right, absolutely. So I pictured myself sitting out there at night, how lonely that would life would have been. Sure. You, you don't – it's not like you're going in the shop during the day. Right. You know, so all night long, then all day you're out there. I pictured using the bathroom. I sure. pictured my food. Where am I getting my food from? I'm assuming they had a way of doing that. I, it's not really cold there, right? A couple times a year it snows in that area. It can it can get cold in the spring and in the fall, but yeah. snow snow is rare. But it can get down it can get down to freeze sure. at night. Uh, so I had to cook a little fire up on those kind of nights. Sure. But in general, I'm sleeping out between a rock and a hard place. It's kind of the way I say that. And then I, I was laughing, thinking about the fact that <laughs> fall asleep counting sheep. I mean, that's kind of their life. Yeah, yeah. And then this UFO, I call it a UFO, unidentified frightening object shows up, this angel. And I'm picturing myself, if I've had a life of just watching and looking for sheep at night, and then all of a sudden this this angel shows up. I, first of all, I think if you posted that in our day, people would say you'd been drinking, right? <laughs> sure. I mean— how hard would it have just been to convince somebody you really saw what you saw? First of all, they don't value you. Right. They would see you as trying to come into town and tell us something so that we would think you're impressive enough to get a regular job. Sure, sure. And even in 2022, I find myself thinking, Steve, if I came in here to our staff today and said to you all, I mean, we've laughed about how we as preachers sometimes are up giving a sermon, and all of a sudden we say, man, I feel like the Lord is kind of leading me another way. You're the one who says to me, let me see your notes. Let me make sure you're just not unprepared, right? (laughs) Sure, sure. It's easy to be cynical. Yeah, totally. And I'm picturing... I'm picturing me telling the staff, hey, guys, last night I was out back in my house, and this, like, glory of the Lord showed around about me, and I was sore afraid and all these things. I think you guys would say Dan's losing it. Sure. You yeah. wonder if the townspeople are like, what kind of plants were you eating out there? <laughs> totally. In our day, it would be tied to cannabis. Sure. So I just think about the fact that God – did something pretty amazing that night because I was listening to an ad yesterday that says our world runs on Dunkin'. That that's the word. Sure. Our world runs on Dunkin'. I don't agree with that. I like Dunkin' Donuts, but that's not what our world runs on. Our world runs on power, control, being able to say I'm in charge. Sure. I mean right now we're in a season in our nation, in our world, where I don't think I've ever seen the amount of money spent. Uh, people trying to get power and control. It's astronomical. Astronomical. Like like blow our mind. Almost enough that like if we just took that money, we could really help the world a lot. To solve some real problems. Real problems. Um, but, Steve, I break that down. It's easy for us, like take a politician. It's easy to look and go, oh, they waste so much money. Okay, let's break it down a little further. 
just in our own organization, it's easy to fall into that mindset that if you climb the ladder, if you get to the top, there's something about power. I mean, we can say what we want. It's easy for all of us to go, yeah, those corporations, they have that system. Eh, churches have that system. Absolutely. Even our homes sometimes have this system. Right. And even our individual lives. I was thinking about this, Steve. Me and you just finished a little book we did together with some other team members here. And I remember the publisher calling me and saying, hey, can you get some uh, endorsements? Yeah. Now, what they mean by that is, as all of you know who are listening, can you throw a name on the cover or inside the front cover that people know that will make them want to buy the book. And I found myself going, what if I put on there, yeah, I know a shepherd in Bethlehem. Right. You know what I'm saying? She would have been thanks, but no thanks. Yes, exactly. Or I got this homeless dude I met last week. Right, right. No, it won't work in the system. Sure. Even our resume. When you sit, put your resume together, you don't give the three references of people that you go, well, that's, that's kind of an outcast. Right. So everything about our world is built on this authority power system yeah and god comes into the world the exact opposite way i think he was making a really huge statement to that sure that sure what's wild when you look at the geography dan is that bethlehem is less only about six miles away from jerusalem jerusalem is the seat of power like if the angel had just dropped over a zip code, he could have spoken to kings. Right there. But that's not how God chose to announce his arrival on this earth. So he comes that way as a baby into that six-mile difference that's the difference between night and day. Absolutely. Then he comes and announces it to the lowest of the low. Yeah. And he says these words to those shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Sitting here in 2022, of course that makes a lot of sense because we know the whole story. What did a shepherd think in that moment when an angel says good news? Of, what, what do you think a shepherd's mindset would have been if he heard good news? What's good news to a shepherd in your mind? Yeah, I, I mean, to, to your point, I would have thought like good news is like I get a raise. I, I have an actual house right. and I don't have to work with these smelly uh, pets anymore. Yeah. And I, I also would say to you that nobody there really understood. The only one who understood what was happening in the moment was the angel. Yeah, The angel is living between these two worlds and looks and realizes what God has done and what is about to happen with Joseph and Mary and is recognizes the power and significance of it for me and you for right. the many, many years and millennials to come. Sure. But in that moment, good news of great joy um, would not have been fully understood. Right. It takes years to get that. And... One of the things I think I took time to sit and think about this year is just how God throws a total kink in the whole world system. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that we've yet heard what he meant by it hmm. because we're still operating the same way, even in our church systems, yeah. even in our ministry systems. Yeah. Even sitting here today, me and you have a lot of things that we are still operating the opposite of the very system he came to change. Yeah. And it really is why I believe, you know, I've been saying maybe to even you, I've said life is a 
is a search for figuring out how to fully surrender. Yeah. And it's painful. It's hard. But that's what God did. Even in the birth of the Christ child was going, I'm going to fully surrender my almightiness to let you guys see what needs to be done in your life. And it's come and be a servant to those around you. And we just don't, we don't get the message. I don't think we get the message yet. And I love how later in the story, Jesus says through John, like, I tell you these things so that your joy might be complete. And I think you're right. I think there's a direct line between total surrender and great joy. Because when we're living our lives with nothing to lose, there's a freedom and a lightheartedness that comes with that. Yeah. So the three things the angel says, tying right to what you're saying, is first of all, he says good news. I wrote down a couple of things related to that. I think the good news is that God values those who are outcasts. Mm -hmm. Like for me, that was a statement. Like you say, he could have gone six miles over. And he could have done it a different way. In fact, the second thing I wrote down was this. God does not chase people's approval. Mm -hmm. If God would have wanted to make man happy, he would have done it six miles over and have fixed the political system. And said, hey, here's your new savior, and he's going to be in charge of this group. And he just totally baffled him. Made no sense. And I love that God set that example for us of, hey, I'm not doing this so that you guys will go, oh, you're, you're a good God. He, he doesn't do what he does for our applause. Yeah. He does what he does because he's God. Yeah. And I think there's something for us to learn in that as well. I believe that I look at my own life, there's no question. For many years, I chased man's applause. I, I could act like I didn't, but I did. I wanted people to say I was a good speaker. I wanted them to say, hey, you should come do this, or hey, you should come do that. I got I got to say, Steve, I mean, maybe it helps I'm 62, but I'm not chasing that anymore. Yeah. And there's a joy in that. There's a fulfillment in that because even my listening time I have with the Lord every day, I have it this morning, it was just, just go please me today. Yeah. Go please me today. Because when I start, even right now, when I try to please man, I get myself in a conundry. It's just not good. And God was saying to us in the birth of the Christ child and the arrival to the shepherds, I'm going to do this the way that I'd like to see you guys try to figure out how to do it. And I believe the message rings really loud and clear in 2022 in a world that's probably chasing power and authority and control harder than I've ever seen it be chased before. Yeah and sacrificing people all along the way. And I think Christ in that moment reminds us, um, this is about me, this is about what I want to accomplish, this is about my goal. And the third thing I wrote down about the good news is the calamities of this world will never overpower God's plan. That's good. That's just peace. That gives me a lot of peace. Because sometimes when I look at this world, I go, where are we headed? You know, it's just the nature of individuals to look and go, where are we headed? And and as you age, you do that more. You know, I find myself now asking questions. I go, I sound like my grandpa. You know, it's just, it's the nature because I look at my, my grandchildren. I look at their lives and I go, what, what are they going to face? What are the things that are part of their life? And the good news is, whatever it is, ah, God's got a plan. Right. And that plan will not be thwarted. It will not be stopped. It will not be slowed down. And that is good news. Mm-hmm. And then it says he gives great joy. You just hit the joy button there for a second ago. We have defined that wrong for generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Joy is God-led 
happiness is man-made. Yeah. Uh, there's a big difference. Man-made happiness means your circumstances dictate how you're feeling. Right. And in this moment, I think God was saying, hey, shepherds, your life's not going to really change a lot. Right. But you can have a new joy now knowing that there is a Savior named Jesus. Yeah. And I think today, somebody listening, you're in a circumstance that has taken your happiness. It has destroyed a lot of the hope maybe you had for your family. You know, my family, the picture that I paint of my family these days is not the one I was planning on at the age of 30. But I have joy today, and I can't even explain that. If, if you came and looked at all the situations in my family, you would go, you got some stuff going on there. Yeah, I do. And everybody does. Everybody does. And I have, it's ridiculous that I can sit here and not lie at all, simply say into this mic, I have a peace and a joy that is ridiculous that came from some trials, came from some pain, came from some hurt, came from some sorrow, and that was basically Jesus' life. It was a life of calamity. People constantly lying about him, trying to set him up, all the things that Jesus came and faced. And God knew that. God knew that from the very beginning. And he said, I want to bring you great, great joy. And we see Jesus' example modeled in the life of Paul, where he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If somebody had a reason to complain, Paul would be at the top of the list. People kept trying to kill, literally kill him. Like, he's got that one list where he's like, I've been beaten with rods three times. <laughs> yeah. I've been shipwrecked twice. I spent years and years and years in prison. But joy was a hallmark, a characteristic of his life. Mm-hmm. Because it was springing from within rather than allowing what was happening externally to dictate whether where, where his, his joy meter would land. So do you think when he was sitting in jail he had complete joy? I, th- I think he was grounded in joy. I, I think he was anchored in joy. Yeah, My mind went there as I sat on the stool working on this message going, wow. He was sitting in jail and people had to be looking going, what, what's going on with this guy? He's still joyful. Yeah. And to me, um, joy is a decision. Right. Joy is a decision. And I believe today, many of you may be listening, need to be reminded God gives this. He brought it that day. Brought it that day. Brought it to the shepherds first. And now in 2022, thanks to Paul, thanks to about 35 years later after Jesus' death, we turned the corner and the Gentiles got the good message. Right, right. The all people, because it says in the passage, to all people. Right. In that day, it would have been to the Jewish people. Yeah. That's where the direct message was sent to the Jewish people. 35 years after his death, thank God for Paul, who turned the corner and shared it with the Gentiles, and why we can know it today in 2022. Sure. So it is for all people. Took a little time to get there. Right. But here we sit with that message fresh in our hearts today. And uh, I wrote down the whole thing, Steve, for me. It's kind of funny. All this stuff we do, the Creative Way pastors, we try to come up with stuff. Like I say, we hire the Grinch to come walk through church. We hand out gifts. We do everything in the world we can come up with. Fly in the camels. Anything we can do. <laughs> anything we can do. I think back to the days, you know, I was at Central Westland when I was in my early pastoral days. We had some of the coolest, greatest uh, Christmas events and shows. Uh, Jack Lynn, friend of mine, would lead those. Sure. I had a ball. Absolutely. I, but I think about the effort and the energy we put into all that. It's mind-boggling. And it was awesome. And we all clapped and loved it. I did, too. But the bottom line is this. I wrote it down. Simply stated, we are celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. Done. Full stop. That's it. And we worked too hard yeah. to get that message out. 
Yeah, yeah. I think God would sometimes look and go, "Really? <laughs> Can yeah, yeah. you just say what I did?" Yeah, because if we if we have to bend over backwards to dress it up, we have to ask the question: Is like, do we really believe it? Like, if if I need if I need to put fancy wrapping on it to make it better, you you can't make the you can't make Advent better. No, it, you it's, can't. It's beautiful no. on its own. And of course, the reason we do it is because we've heard it so many times. Right. Right. It's like you say, "I love you to your spouse every day." Right. You know, if, if you break that down a little bit and say it every 10th day, stands out a little more. So I get right, it. Right. I got it. So I've heard this message 53 million times. Got sure. it. But it still needs to sink into our heart the true beauty of the message. Yeah. And we don't have to manufacture wonder. We can just ask God for the perspective to, to appreciate it for what it is again or maybe for the first time. Yeah. For all people. So, Steve, one of the things that happened for me sitting on my stool again i went back to the age of being 17 Mm -hmm. Um, because one of the things i've been doing when i've been preaching lately is i take a moment and i literally stop and i look at the audience and i say i'd like to speak to the teens now i don't know why i've just been doing this because maybe it's the old youth pastor in me right um and i sat on the stool at 17 i remember hearing this message i remember wanting mom to bail on dad i hated my life i didn't want it to keep going sure like i was done if if this is what life's going to be like if it's going to be this kind of pain then i don't want it i don't i don't want to be in it anymore i don't want to do this anymore and i i feel like there maybe is a teen listening right here today i know this home run club goes to those of you who support the ministry but maybe you pass it on to your family and kids listen to it too But definitely as I share the Christmas message this year, I'm going to pause right here and I'm going to say to the teens of our world, where do you feel hopeless? Hmm. Where do you feel like, don't like myself, don't like this about me? I mean, all of us, Steve, I don't know about you, but I have days I still feel outcast, right? Sure. (laughs) I have days I feel like I don't fit anywhere as humanity. Yeah. And I want to just speak to the teen today who might be in that spot and say to you, um, so God uses now at my age i know you look at me i'm an old man for you teenagers love it but but god used that pain and laid on my heart to start this thing called winning at home which i fought like crazy going i can't do that i don't i don't even know what it means to win i don't even understanding of that i i don't mm-mm, i'm the wrong guy and i say to a teen today if i could explain to you the joy i have inside me even when I look at how he used that that rottenness of what I would call some of those early years of my life, it wasn't things I did. It was things that I had to live in. Right. And and I'm good. I had a phenomenal mom, healed things with my father. I would want to make sure everybody knows we finished awesome, got to hold him in his death, so I'm good. But at 17, I could not see that journey. Sure. I could not understand it. And the joy I have now looking how God used the – the outcastness of my life mm-hmm. in those days. Mm-hmm. If you had told me it would finish making a difference for his kingdom, uh, I would have been like, wow, how, how, how will that happen? Right. And I say today to a teen listening, if you've got the how could that ever happen thought in your head, yeah. maybe you're 20 and you've been through some really stinky relationships and you feel like no one's ever going to want you, <laughs> yeah. God does. So good. God does because he wants all people. Yeah. You can't be far enough away that his arm won't reach you. Yeah. And that's the story 
of Christ. You can't be at a place in brokenness and hurt and pain that God's arm doesn't reach you and bring you hope and salvation. And to me, that's the simple story of the message of Christ. You have a Savior. His name is Jesus. Yeah, I know you've heard it before, but have you ever really heard it? And what difference could it make in your life this year as you celebrate this season of his redeeming love that was offered to you? So good, Dan. It's something that we've heard before, but something that I know I needed to hear again. So thanks thanks for sharing it. Well, it's why we do what we do. You know, Steve, I've been really feeling here at Winning at Home, let's say the the name's Lord more clear than ever before. Don't try it like you say. Don't, we don't need to dress it up. Just say it. And he does the work. That's one of the things about preaching that's changed for me is I used to finish a sermon, even this one, and try to, okay, how, what kind of, how do I wrap that ending? What's, what's the big finale ending? And now I go, let him woo. Yeah. Let him woo people's spirit as they hear these words. So I pray if your heart is wooed today, if the Lord has spoken to you, I pray it would minister to you deep. I pray you would know this is what we're trying to do at Winning at Home. Our counselors, our coaches, our own side at different organizations, right here at our own offices, we are seeking to take the name of Jesus very clearly to those who will listen. And we hope and pray you'll continue to support what we're doing, but more than anything, that you would continue to grow deeper in this Christ we celebrate at Christmas season. Steve, any final thoughts you want to share? No, I'm just so honored to be a part of the work that God is doing here, reminding people in the middle of their own darkness where they're feeling alone and forgotten and overlooked that through the ministry when at home, we're trying to remind people yeah. the same with the same message of the shepherds. You are seen, you are known, you are loved. Even if you're not aware of it, God is with you and yeah. God is for you. That's good. Why don't you close this out in prayer, Steve, and uh, pray specifically for someone maybe whose heart is just broken. Sure. You know, let's just give them to the Lord. So close this out. Father God, we thank you for the love that you declare to us through your word and the recollection of moments like, like Christmas, like that very first Christmas where your light broke through in the darkness and let people who were alone and afraid and cold know that you wanted peace for them, you wanted light for them, you wanted joy for them. So to the person who's listening today who feels marginalized and overwhelmed and forgotten, Lord, I just pray that your, your word and your truth would break through to them. You would let them know that you see them, that you love them, that you know them, and that you want good for them, that you want you want peace, you want wholeness, you want healing for them. And I pray that you would open up their eyes to see it, uh, their hearts to know it, and their hands to receive it. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.